you are listening to Logistics Rocks, the podcast about the rock stars of the logistics industry. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Zelko Jesic, probably one of the most difficult names to pronounce uh, if you are in Scandinavia or anywhere else uh, in, in the Western Europe. Um, I'm here uh, to tell you a little bit about my background and, and where I'm coming from. So I was always uh, interested in technology, even as a small kid. Um, this is also why I continued with the um, uh, with studies uh that were all going all the way from young age and ending up actually with the engineering degrees uh, from telecommunications uh, and signal processing, always fiddling with the equipment at home. And what actually got me interested into the uh, transport and logistics business uh, was an uh, episode that I had in uh, some early 2000, or it might be already 1999, um, where I was involved in a traffic accident. Uh, I basically fell uh, asleep behind the wheel. Now, this prompted me uh, actually to, to be become more interested in what is happening in the uh, automotive sector, to look into new technologies. So with the engineering degree that I had uh, and the job that I had at, uh, at Ericsson at that time, I decided to, to change my career and make a big jump, uh, leaving Ericsson and going over to Volvo Technology. Uh, where I spent some four wonderful years developing uh, latest active safety features, uh, such as uh, forward collision warning uh, and others, uh, working with very closely with uh, radars, with uh, sensors, trying to understand what is happening uh, in front and around the vehicle. Uh, also always trying to see how can this technology actually support the driver in the best possible way so that we uh, target these topics and, and uh, causes of accidents that we have on, on the road today, uh, such as drowsiness, fatigue, and very much so driver destruction as well. After the uh, four years at uh, Volvo, I decided it was the time for me to take the next step. I went down to uh, Brussels, where I was working some 10 years, approximately at different uh, European research projects, uh, working very much on energy efficiency, but also uh, on ADAS and early stages of the vehicle automation. And some uh, three years ago, it was time for me to uh, make another jump uh, to come over to Geneva, where I'm today working as the global lead for innovation uh, at the International Road Transport Union. Um, basically, what I'm doing today uh, very much is that I'm following the technologies um, looking with a critical eye on the technology developments, on the benefits that technologies can provide, and are communicating then this uh, down to some approximately 1 million transport operators. This is part of our thought leadership uh, activity that we are having on innovation. Um, because we all agree there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of news about automation, about blockchain, about uh, all of the different fantastic technologies. Now, 
we also need to be a little bit realistic about how fast these technologies are coming, what are the benefits that they're going to bring, and how relevant are these for the transport operators that are driving uh, on the roads today. And most important, I would say, is what should the transport operators do today to get themselves ready for the highly connected, for the highly uh, automated future? Um, in addition to the thought leadership, I'm also working very closely with the implementation of different services and especially on digitalizing road transport documents, such as electronic consignment notes. And even though I'm still working in this field for some, uh, I've been working in this field for some 15 years, approximately, I still get amazed sometimes how um, countries, uh, forward-looking countries, even su su such as Germany or, or Sweden, country of Skype, in Sweden today, you are still not allowed to use electronic transport documents. You are still required to have paper on board your trucks, which is going to be absolutely a bottleneck for any kind of automation and all of the other um, implementations that you would like to have. To finalize, to wrap up a little bit of my profile, as I see myself, uh, I enjoy being in the center uh, between the technology between the business side, making sure uh, that we know how the technology will influence business and vice versa, and the policy. Because for many of these new technologies, we also need to have a policy that is allowing the business to implement new services. So that would be a short uh, wrap-up of who I am, where I'm coming from, and uh, where do I fit best today. Wow, <laughs> you started with the traffic accident and you ended up at as a representative for all the world's truckers uh, out there. Um, very impressive background and impressive story. And um, welcome to Logistics Rocks. Thank you. Can you give me a little bit more information about uh, what it means when you say you represent all these transport operators? Because I know the IRU is a global organization and it has representatives in most countries on the world. Indeed. <clears throat> so the IRU is a global organization and we are represented in more than 100 countries uh, through the Trucking Association. So we have members everywhere from China, India, uh, New Zealand, for example, American Trucking Association, Brazil, Mexico, uh, all European countries and, and certain part of African countries. Uh, basically, in all of these countries, we are represented either through uh, our national trucking associations or represented through companies that we are collaborating uh, with. Now, in total, uh, in my daily work, I work uh, with some 36 national trucking associations coming from 31 countries. And if you look at these associations, they represent jointly 559,500 transport operators, uh, which means that through the national associations, we are reaching out to quite a broad range of transport operators. And you have everything from small trucking companies with uh, uh, one driver, one uh, owner uh, of the truck, uh, going to multinational companies having thousands of truck drivers and trucks driving everywhere. So the role of but, the but, IRU... But so, so uh, yeah, looking into the demographics, because I think that's, that's quite interesting... Uh, would you say that the rest of the world is like, uh, because in, in Western Europe, 
we have an extremely long tail of uh, driver operators um, of trucks. They own their own truck and that's their entire business. And I think the mean value of the number of trucks per per company is like two point something. Uh, is, is that the same all over the world? Um, we do not have reliable statistics from every single country in the world. But what I can tell you is that in Europe, we have approximately 85% uh, of all trucking companies that are five trucks or less. In the U.S., the situation is quite similar. 91% of all trucking companies in the U.S. are six trucks or less. I would expect that the same tendency is also in the other countries. So when, when you look at the market, we are really a market that has not been affected more or less at all by the vast scale of consolidations that we have seen, for example, in some other industries. So still, unfortunately... Uh, unfortunately, we, we have large number that are still driver owners and very, very small fleets. This is one of the reasons, in my opinion, uh, behind the the low profit margins uh, that you often find in haulage industry, because you have these single companies with uh, a huge investment. The trucks are very expensive and with uh, lowered uh, lowering prices lowering and increasing uh, increased costs and they basically have to work 24/7 uh, just to make some money do you see the same trend in other parts of the world or is this a european phenomenon i would say wherever we have oversupply uh, of of any product including or any service including trucking service we are seeing that there is a price dumping, unfortunately. And, and it's just the mar pure market uh, economies, economics. Um, we have had a long period in Europe and the US where the transport prices and, and other parts of the world, where transport prices have been going down because there was just too much supply. Uh, in Europe, that was the case, especially after the opening of, of the market to the new uh, entrance in the EU, as an example. Um but now we see actually an, an interesting trend, and that is that because of the driver shortage, the supply of trucks and, and the transport, uh, well, overall transport supply is being reduced, which means also that the transport rates that you can actually charge, regardless if you're big or small, are increasing. Now, I would dare to say that this is actually good for the economy, because I do not uh, personally like the world where uh, where everything, all of the transport is perceived to be for free or where the transport is driven only by the lowest costs. That is not good for the, uh, for the companies that are working with that. Uh, it is not good for the environment because the companies don't have resources to invest in new fleets. So right now we see a positive tendency that yes, transport prices are going up. Uh, we need to pay a little bit more for the transport. But on the other side, if you're serious about um, environmental aspects, this is a positive thing because the trucking companies can invest in new trucks, new equipment, and new training of the drivers, as, as an example. Yeah, and also the the of course, if you pay more, you you uh, and you can invest in more modern equipment, for instance, or better optimization software, uh, whatever. Then you will also be able to increase the efficiency of the transport system. Um, so uh, we have this paradox when um, when an actor like Amazon, for instance, enters a new country, they start to to um, uh, offer 
door-to-door deliveries uh, and to prime customers, it's free shipping, uh, which of course we all know it's not free really, but you don't pay for it when you when you order something, and this generates a lot of capillary uh, freight movements. Uh, so at the outset, I think that there will be a negative environmental effect from all these door-to-door transports that are really very inefficient. But as the system fills with new orders and these transports become more and more efficient, people stop going to the mall to buy a bag of groceries. They, they order it home instead and the neighbors are doing the same thing. That could actually end up being more efficient uh, from a system's perspective. But we don't actually know uh, quite yet um, the effects of this. I would say I totally agree with you on that point. Um, the, the thing is also that we can see one or two options how it could be in the future, but it's very difficult to predict the future. So we will just need to see. It, it, I would compare that also to the, all of the car sharing services that we see today, that while the, um, uh, while the promise is that more people are going to leave their private cars and, and use Ubers and Lyfts of this world, we also see that in some cases, in, in ci- some cities, such as New York, that has actually increased the, the amount of congestion because there's so much oversupply of the car sharing services. Uh, and this was not something that was easily um, predictable before we got to such a big penetration. So to take your example of, uh, of distribution, I fully agree with you that currently, um, in my view, uh, these uh, transport services when you look at environmental point of view, are quite inefficient, where you can have several deliveries uh, per day coming to your home from from different uh, providers. While if you're taking a bigger picture, if that in the end, let's say, uh, helps you uh, avoid going to the shopping mall and, and buying the groceries and everything is just delivered to a number of households at once, that could be more efficient than me, you, and our neighbors uh, going each of us in, in our cars to shopping mall. So yes, um, there are poss- possible benefits, but there are also possible shortcomings. And the future is never black or white. So I think we will find ourselves somewhere in between these two scenarios. I agree also. And and if we look at one of the pe- peculiarities, or one of the specifics of the freight transport industry, uh, as opposed to a lot of other industries, is that we have... Uh, a service that's being produced in a public space. Most of the service uh, is produced outside um, on the public road networks. And we have investment-heavy, very decentralized industry. And the digital development is really in its infancy still in this industry. What would you say when we when we sort of pour the internet over this system with these huge balance sheets on one end and demand for 100% resource utilization, hopefully, uh, from the other end, and lowering prices and uh, customers, consumers getting used to doing everything from their couch. Um, what's the big, what are the big disruptions heading for the freight transport space, do you think? So talking about the next big disruptions in the, in the logistics chains, I'm strongly uh, convinced that we, we, we will see uh, a lot of automation uh, coming up in the coming years. Uh, a lot of automation that, the, that is built for a purpose of making the supply chains more efficient. And of course, 
um, I, I get a little bit uh, uneasy when I see all of discussions about automation on BBC and other media where it's presented as if it's coming tomorrow everywhere in every part of the world. Uh, automation, especially of the trucking business, has a huge potential of improving operations between the different uh, ports, uh, different uh, terminals. We have also seen like last week, uh, Volvo launching their autonomous uh, trucks in the mines. I think this kind of uh, uh, automation is going to be quite revolutionary for our sector. Uh, but we are not going to see uh, any decent uh, uptake. We are not going to have 30-40% of all of the vehicles on the road uh, being fully automated within the coming 10 years. So this is also the, the balance about timing. It's not a question if automation is coming. It's not a question if automation is going to be making a major impact in logistics chains. It will. The, the question is only about timing and it's more about gradual implementation. Then I also strongly believe that digitalization. Digitalization is still having, even though we have been talking about this uh, topic for 10 years now, it feels like, uh, it still has the huge possibility to Im improve uh, op uh, and optimize logistics chains uh, that we have today. Uh, you know, just when you look at Europe, uh, for example, you, we, we have an estimate that around for cross-border transport with trucks in Europe, we, ha we are using somewhere around 150 million uh, paper CMR documents. Now, this is just for cross-border transport, just for one type of documents. But there's so is much Is this per other... year? Is this per uh, this, year? This is, that's correct. This is per year yeah. for yeah. cross-border transports wow. in Europe. Wow. And it is ridiculous, yeah. really, that we are using both the CMR, but there are so many, so much other paperwork uh, on our trucks in our logistics chains and we really need to follow the example of some industries that are a little bit ahead of us. For example, airlines, uh, where they're going more with uh, e-freight, where they're trying to digitalize all of the operations. The, the interesting thing is that digitalization is actually not only uh, changing uh, the, the paper into electronic format, it is actually uh, forcing us to rethink our processes as well. Because many of our processes can be done much more uh, efficient if we are thinking in the new ways than if you are just sticking to the same ways as when we are dealing with paper. So I think that there's still a huge amount of untapped possibilities on digitalization, um, but also uptake on all of the uh, all of the other services, everything from route planning uh, to to optimizing your fleet. These sol solutions are already well used by the medium, large-size companies. But again, when we come back to the beginning of our call, um, when we talked about the large amount of the small trucking companies, these are still very much paper, in the best case, Excel sheet-based, but still they are very far from using the latest solutions. You know, it's almost every week that you see uh, pictures on LinkedIn or, or on Facebook of trucks that have ended up in a ditch uh, because somebody was using Google Maps to plan a route for their trucks uh, across Europe or, or other parts of the world. So but on, we still but, but need on to the other hand, but, yeah. But on the other hand, for the last eleven years, we've had smartphones, and if there is one one single piece of equipment that, in my view, has revolutionized at least road transport, it's the smartphone. Because now every driver can have a digital interface to whatever 
shipper they are working for, uh, whatever company they are transporting goods for. And so, so I think this is something that most of them have embraced. Uh, but we are, we are still, I agree that we are still a very long ways from this 10 minute integration process or 10 minute onboarding process where someone can actually start an assignment that's been brokered by a matchmaking site like Tinder for freight transport and start working for a multinational company being the single owner operator of a single truck and being able to, for like 12 hours, be a digital citizen in this huge digital ecosystem that this company most likely has. And then they they have to part as friends. So they only have one date. Even if it's Tinder, they only have one date to make it work because uh, this, this whole edge company, this trucker, he needs to go on a serial dating spree uh, in order to be profitable. And I think we're, we're, we're quite far from companies, especially the large companies, being comfortable in having these high-volume, short-term relationships with small and medium-sized uh, suppliers. But I think we're getting there, actually. You are totally right. When it comes to freight exchange markets, these are indeed not a new uh, new topic uh, on, on the uh, in 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 uh, many parts of the world. However, what is new is, as you absolutely rightfully say, that smartphones are changing and have been changing uh, the look and, and and operation of logistics for quite some time. And even by the small uh, transport companies, I still remember. A survey that we did with, the, uh, I think it was 250 Romanian truck drivers, and this was already some five years ago, where we were asking them about how many of them are using smartphones, how many of them are using roaming, and this was before the roaming was um, roaming charges were re- removed uh, across Europe, and even at that time, it was really impressive to see that it was almost half of the truck drivers five years ago from Romania had already smartphones because this was also the best tool for them to keep in contact with their families uh, and everything. Uh, on freight exchange markets, uh, Tinder for for uh, truckers and, and shippers and everybody else, you're totally right. The freight exchange markets are absolutely booming. We, we see a number of already well-established ones, uh, everybody from more traditional ones like Timocom, Teleroot, etc., to, sto- uh, to new startups that are just popping up. Uh, I mean, we have Everode from France. Uh, Alpega is another giant uh, in, in the Benelux. So there's a number of them. But what we also see from all of them, from East Europe, West Europe, from, from Africa, uh, empty trips from India, everybody is talking about the difficulty to create trust. Because again, we come back to this environment where in Europe, we do not have only five or 10,000 transport operators. In Europe, you have approximately half a million transport operators. And how do you then build a trust between a major shipper and a trucking company that is uh, that has two trucks uh, that you have never heard uh, about? It is a challenging topic. It is something that IRU uh, uh, and, and our members are actively looking into uh, to see how can we potentially support building this trust by certifying, by giving guarantees that we know um, these guys and they can be trusted. It's a very complex issue, primarily because of the size uh, and the amount of the tracking companies. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And and 
Trust is what the matchmakers, uh, the digital max matchmakers like Tinder, like Airbnb, like Uber, for instance. That's that's what they are professionals in building trust uh, between strangers. Look at Alibaba. Millions of uh, Chinese vendors are selling to to billions of um, uh, international customers, and they only sell once. And we still trust them. So, so uh, I think that there there are mechanisms in the sharing economy, the way the sharing economy business models work, that can be and are being utilized uh, in the freight transport industry. You are totally right, and this is also why it's highly interesting for us as IRU. Um, we had uh, IRU World Congress three weeks ago uh, in Oman, where we also welcomed one of our latest members, Yun Man Man uh, from China. The, the freight exchange platform in Yunmanman has 5.2 million truck drivers connected to it and has <laughs> approximately 1 to uh, 1.2 million um, goods, uh, well, shippers, basically. Wow. So 5.2 wow. million truck drivers. And this is a company, of course, they were supported by Alibaba. They went through a number of mergers to grow that size. But talk about critical mass. I mean, uh, yeah. Indeed. And, you know, they're exactly, they were talking about real life benefits. While a truck driver <clears throat> or a transport company previously had to look and wait, let's say 2.2 days until they would find the next load and next contract through their platform, they've cut that time down to 0.4 days. So wow. it's, you know, when, when you have the scale, you absolutely have opportunity to optimize all of the transports around you. Yeah. Yeah, really. I, that must be a game changer uh, for this industry, of course. Um, I, I always ask this question, and, and I'm really curious about your answer. Uh, you're given 10 million euros or 10 million dollars. What would you invest in? Oh, this is a fantastic question. Um, I would consider investing in automation. How? Because I have the background from uh, from the field, and I know the different stakeholders. However, I will be a little bit hesitant <clears throat> on that because there's always already so much investment uh, put into the field that my 10 million would not make a major impact um, because every single... Maybe for you. Correct, correct. Um, so where I would invest is absolutely um, battery technologies uh, and carbon capturing uh, technologies as well because I do believe that we absolutely do not have so much time to to change the industry uh, from the environmental point of view uh, because we all know that global change is upon us. We we have absolutely only a few years to to make an impact, and I personally believe that at least for um, urban driving, when it comes to urban logistics, regional logistics, uh, battery electric is a way to go. While we need also still to find suitable solutions. Uh, for, for long distance uh, transport. And of course, that is also closely connected to carbon capturing technologies uh, as well. Fantastic answer. Thank you. And my last question, the obligatory, you have to pick one rock song. Which one and why? Well, that, that, that's an easy one, actually. It's Alice Cooper, Poison. Ah, great. It's, it's a song that I, that I used to listen day in and day out. Them, uh, together with Rammstein, while I was spending a fantastic time coding active safety uh, and collision avoidance systems uh, functions while I was working for Volvo. 
So I'm not really the, sure about what 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 Poison and Rammstein <laughs> has to do with, <laughs> but it's a great song, and Rammstein has some really great songs as well. They, they are so. absolutely fantastic songs, um, and it absolutely has nothing to do with logistics, but uh, I just love it. Thank you, Jelko, and thank you for being on Logistics Rocks. Thank you as well. Thank you, Jelko. It was great learning about your work in the digital ecosystem of transport. We will definitely revisit this area in future volumes of Logistics Rocks. And on Spotify, you will find Poison by the great Alice Cooper added to the playlist. In the next chapter, we will meet Mikael Karlsson. He's one of the main persons responsible for the cool Volvo Vera, the futuristic autonomous electric tractor trailer that was demonstrated recently. Mikkel will share his vision of the transportation system in the future. And remember, this is coming from someone who actually has the power to create this future. And, as always, if you like what you hear, please give me a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or Podchaser. See you in the next chapter. My name is Perla Fornes, and thank you for listening to Logistics Rocks. <laughs>